You're about to hear my conversation with Ian Landsman, where we'll talk about rebuilding a SaaS from the ground up, even after over 10 years in business. The why, the what, and the how. We'll get into it. Hey, before I roll today's episode, here's my real-time update on what I'm working on. I'm recording this update on March 8th, 2024. Well, if you've been following my story heading into this year, then you know I'm in a transition phase. I'm exploring some new directions to take in my business. And this month, I decided to come back to my roots and focus my energy on what I do best, and that's building new products. So I've launched what I'm calling a product studio, and I'm calling it Instrumental Products. It's where I get to partner with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies on taking new product ideas from concept to launched. And, you know, since I'm a full-stack designer and developer, my focus now is on continuously building new software products and continuing to grow that muscle. Sometimes I'm building products with clients, sometimes with partners, and building some new products of my own to grow out my portfolio at Instrumental Products. And as always, I love to build in public on my YouTube channel and on Twitter and, you know, share the process of taking new product ideas to life. So that's what I'm up to, building products in public. And I'm still running my SaaS product, Clarity Flow, which is doing its thing this year. All right, so that's my update. You can follow along with me on Twitter. I'm at CastJam. I'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback for anything I'm working on, especially this show on the podcast. And with that, Let's get into today's show. So I'm about to roll the interview with my friend Ian Landsman. We recorded this one on November 3rd, 2023. And in this conversation, we talk all about Ian's business at Userscape, and they are building HelpSpot. Well, they've built it. They've been running it for over 10 years. But this year, as we get into 2024, they are embarking on a full rebuild. I wanted to understand the story there. It's a good one. Here's my conversation with Ian. Enjoy. Ian Lansman, you're back on the show. Good to connect with you back. again. Back. Yeah. Back, baby. The whole show is back. It's It's been on hiatus for about a year and uh, and we're bringing it back. I think your, your episode might be the first one back, so... Yes. Oh, should be wow. I, I didn't realize that. That's <laughs> I awesome. recorded one yesterday with, uh, with Adam Gilbert, uh, founder of, um, of my body tutor, which is a super, super interesting oh, business. Yeah. Interesting. It's so, it's so cool. Cause like he, that. yeah. And like, I, I just met him for the first time yesterday and we're like on the podcast and we realized that we live like 20 minutes away from each other in Connecticut. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that happens? Amazing. Like, it's crazy. So, so Ian, I mean, you've been, uh, You've been all over the internet for well over a decade at this point. Two decades. Two, de oh, two man, decades. Two decades. Holy shit. Crazy. <laughs> getting old. Uh, Laravel extraordinaire. We'll, we'll get into the whole Laravel ecosystem, I think, in the in the next one here. But, you know, you're the founder of, of Userscape, and w which makes HelpSpot. And I thought we would dive into that because, as I understand it, you're going through, what do you, what do you call this? Is this a rebuild, a relaunch, redesign? Yeah, we're doing a full rebuild, ground up. I mean, uh, it's still pretty early, so I've been tinkering around with this for 
already almost a year, but it was been much more like experimental, like kind of prototyping different things and just learning, you know, just getting caught up on technology. I definitely know really well the Laravel world, but then there's obviously any more modern app has a lot more JavaScript in it and things like that. So I've been getting up to speed on what's going on over there and just kind of planning out what we want to do. So, uh, yeah, so kind of now are into like actually constructing okay what will become the next version awesome all right i want to unpack this a little bit like especially around the why and the strategy behind actually rebuilding but can you give us like a quick recap of of the history like when when did help spot actually initially start when did it launch yeah so it launched in 2005 okay. so we're coming up on 20 year anniversary here in 2025 which will be yeah. Crazy. Um, and it started like not even as a SaaS, right? It was always on-premise. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, even today, it's sort of not even a SaaS. And we do offer a SaaS version, but basically we just take the on-premise version and host it for people. So you get your own virtual machine. Um, you have basically your own stack. There is a shared database, but each customer has their own database on that database server. So it's not at all built like a regular SaaS app with a single monolithic database with tenant IDs and things like that, which has its pluses and minuses. Like we're sort of reaching some constraints there, which is part of what we're doing with reworking it. But, but it does have a lot of advantages too. Like people can move back and forth between being on-premise and hosted and, hmm. you know, different accounts can get different levels of resources and things like that if we need to. And so there are some sort of interesting flexibility items there but uh, interesting but yeah start on premise it was on premise for the first like 10 years or so um and then we did a and we had a partner who would host it for people like on an old school like php hosting platform huh. so we would just send people over to there but then obviously the expectations became that you could just so like you know get it from the provider so so an organization like i don't know let's say like it's a university or something like that mm -hmm. they come like at least in the old model or i guess still today right you sell it this way mm -hmm. with on still today. so so they go through your sales process you, you sell them on on implementing help spot for their organization mm -hmm. they then need to engage their own hosting provider well so how it worked today like just staying in the modern era you have a choice between hosting it yourself and or having us host it so if we're hosting it it's from the end user's perspective, it's like a SaaS. It's like any other SaaS. Right. Like they just sign up on our website. They get, in a few minutes, they get to log into their help spot and they can start using it. Yeah. If you go on premise, then most of the time at this point, what you're really talking about is a company that has their own IT resources and infrastructure. And so that they are going so like to- Like they have their own servers in-house. themselves, right? They have their own servers. Now their own servers, can mean a lot of different things at this point. Like sometimes it means they physically have servers. Sometimes it means they just have their own AWS account and they're still gonna host it on AWS, just like we hosted on AWS. Yeah. But you know, within their own network on AWS they it, and they with control their own it. stuff. Yep. Right. They control when they update it, they control how they back it up, they control all that stuff mm -hmm. about it. So so that's usually what we're looking at. It's like so at this point, you know, three quarters of the customers, new customers are SaaS. Mm -hmm. And a quarter are on premise. Got it. And when you did the SaaS, um, have you? So when did you introduce this the the hosted option? Was that like? It was like eight or nine years ago, something like that. Okay, got it. And 
And so the SaaS version of HelpSpot, so, so you've always had the on-premise version that you're just describing. Right. And then the SaaS version, have you, have you treated that as a sep totally separate product or is it like literally the same code base, except it's hosted by you versus hosted by them? Right. It's literally the same product. All the features are the same. Everything's the same. I mean, there are a couple slight differences, but effectively it's identical. And it's just a matter of if we're hosting it for you Got it. or if or, uh, you're going to go and host it yourself Got on it. your own infrastructure. So it, we're recording this at the end of 2023. You're getting into a whole rebuild. Has, has there ever been a rebuild like this before? Like, is this version not on two? No, there's never been a full rebuild. This is, uh, this would be the first full rebuild. We've had some very big. Uh, like refactorings, you know, refreshing. Uh, refactorings. Yeah. yeah. So like we moved it onto Laravel at one point. That was a big one. Even though now it's still not like a full Laravel app. It's like Laravel's in there and it's sort of the core, but there's still like code libraries and different things from, I mean, literally 18 years ago, uh, some of them. And it still works. Yeah, it still works. <laughs> and this is why they tell you not to rebuild, right? And uh, yeah, so, and then another big one was when, you know, initially like UTF-8 wasn't even like a thing, like the database didn't even like support it back at the beginning. So at one point we had a big update that moved the whole system on to be UTF-8 hmm. compatible. So that was a huge thing because we had to like literally move every piece of everyone's data, uh, like we basically had to rebuild their database. So even though all the code wasn't different, there was a lot of code changes. And then also migration. there was this whole database migration thing that was a monster. And um, yeah, so that was a big one. And we've done, we do that a lot. Like we've also done a ton of database migration as because we on-premise customers who want to go to the cloud, um, you know, we convert them. And so, hmm. you know, if they're on MySQL already, then that's a little bit easier. Uh, but some of them are on Microsoft SQL Server. Yeah. So we have to actually change it to be MySQL compatible and then uh, import that. So there's a few steps there. So what led to the, what, when did you decide to embark on, on a rebuild? Like when did this whole process sort of start, like happen? Well, I mean, I've gone through different phases with it. So about uh, 10 or 12 years ago now, um, I hired Taylor, who is the creator of Laravel and basically I hired him to do the rebuild. Like that's what we were going to do. And 12 years later, we're, we're we going to get started 12 years later and we're ready to get started. He does obviously hasn't worked here in <laughs> nine years or whatever. Right. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's been around for a while, but you know, it's, it's always that trade-off of obviously to go into the tank and totally rebuild it means you're not adding as many features to the existing version. Um, and it's just a big undertaking. It's confusing for customers, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's like we get started on it and it's like, oh, is this the right time? Blah, blah. Is there enough upside to it? Yeah. I mean, that's what I want to get into is like, all right, like before we get into the actual, like what you're building and how you plan to roll it mm -hmm. out and all that, but like just the initial decision to like, okay, we, this, this, this code base, this product has been serving us well for, you know, two decades. Um, right. You know, why now, what, what is the core problem that a rebuild should solve? What's what, what changed, yep. you know? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things here. Uh, that are interesting. So the initial like 10, 12 years ago when I wanted to rebuild it, right? That was 
there was not any good business case to rebuild it really. That was just my desire to rebuild a case, which is like, I know so much more now. Like, I mean, version one of HubSpot, I'm like there with JavaScript Bible on my lap. Like, I don't even know how to do any of this, the code. There was no frameworks at all. So all the PHP is like my own framework essentially, right? Yeah, um, but I mean, I, and, I think that there's some, there are some exceptions to, to that. Uh, you know, there, so many of us, myself included, lean toward like, just don't rebuild just because you want to. But I think right. sometimes rebuilding just to use some newer tech or better design internally mm -hmm. can add a bunch of speed going forward. Like it's slow right now while sure, we for sure. rebuild, but the purpose is like this will right. 2x or 10x our speed to ship going forward. You yeah. Know? And I think there's even other, <clears throat> there's just your own satisfaction with working on it. Like this yeah. is a product you're going to work on for two decades. Like. If it's a more fun environment to work in, you're probably going to be happier and yeah. then also you will ship faster and better and attract happier so, team members and all that. Yeah. Right. All that stuff. Right. So I think that that's, and you can leverage just easy, easier, more modern testing and whatever. There's like tons of benefits when you modernize. So I definitely think, and so what we've ended up doing is kind of middle grounding it. We're like, okay, like we moved it basically onto Laravel but we didn't like totally redo every line of code or the whole interface and things like that. Um, and then obviously like, I mean, it's been continuously maintained for 20 years. So it's like somebody has been, you know, there's every month there's a release basically with bug fixes and features and whatever. So it's not like we've been just sitting around being like, oh, well, we can't update it uh, onto the newest stuff. So we're just not going to do anything. Like, mm -hmm. You know, we just do it in, you know, slightly different way than maybe a modern app would, would operate uh, in terms of a, started today app. Yeah. but in general it's been you know fine and so that's what kept putting me off on it it's like uh like it, there is still risk there because ultimately once you rebuild it like i definitely wouldn't want to rebuild it in the sense of like just feature for feature parity i mean that right? was gonna, gonna be another big question and is make like, it feature for feature yeah, yeah like the benefit of not rebuilding it and maybe just doing like a front end re refactoring or something like that is like you don't have to rebuild all the features um, right. And we've done the front end refactors, like we probably had three or four big front end mm -hmm. refactors over the years. Right. And that, but so to me, part of it is like, if we're going to rebuild it, then we also have to take all the other stuff we've learned. So like, yeah, we've learned about the tech, but we've also learned about how people use mm -hmm. this tool. And if I was building this tool again, like what would be different? What doesn't make sense the way it works now? Um, yeah, like, has there been like a change in the customer base things. or the market, the positioning? Right. I mean, like... the support is so much different than it was 20 years ago, right? Like, now you have the emergence of AI. How does that fit in? You have widgets that are, like, super powerful, and people want to embed them in their apps mm -hmm. and have it, you know, whether it's a chat or whether it's showing you knowledge-based articles or whatever. Like, there's just a lot of different um, functions that weren't really a thing, you know, 20 years ago. And then... It's sort of tricky though, too, because there is this balance because a lot of our customers, like the temptation is, okay, like an intercom style widget, right? Like it's super advanced and it does all kinds of stuff, right? Because it's like you drop it in your SaaS app and boom, you have this whole communication mm -hmm. system to your, to your customers. But if we look at like HelpSpot's customer base, there's actually not as many uses for that in our existing customer base, like most of our university customers, like we've been talking about a little bit, like they're not necessarily have a website that they might want live chat, but they don't necessarily need the like 
uber super messaging pushing messages into something yeah, like detect what you're trying to search like, for all that kind of right like there's different levels there of like how much sophistication they would even want like um and to be willing to pay for and things like that so i also like, happen to think even for like small SaaS companies like like mine like i also think that and and as a user of SaaS, like i think that those those help widgets are overblown like they, right. they've gotten to I use them and I have one sure. on, on a mine, but like, I, mm -hmm. I don't want all the advanced features. <laughs> like I right. literally but just I, want a, a, a form to send a message or a right. simple search box to find the article. That's it. That's all I want. Right. That's, and so that's kind of like my, even with this rebuilt help spot, like there's, it's going to be more along those lines. Like it's definitely not going to be all the way to the crazy stuff you can do with like an intercom because at the end of the day. A lot of that stuff is there's the, also this whole premise, even with the AI stuff, which like there's definitely a lot of possibilities there for, but at the same time, it's like a lot of it is still just like the way it works now. And I think in the future, it'll be different, but the way it all works now, it's still going to be basically the way it's worked in the past for like things like chat boxes, where like you have the vector database. I don't know how much people know about this, but basically there's this way you could kind of stupidly look up chunks of information. And then you could feed those chunks of information to ChatGPT, yeah. and it will make it sound nice. So it will obviously be written much better than it was a year ago. If you built this, it would be kind of clunky, right? In My, terms of the interaction, but it's still that same clunky lookup scheme. So that's where the, the answers aren't necessarily getting better per se when you get down into that's like the thing I, I, your specific product i mean all right my hot take uh, sort of like in the making right now as i as i speak is i think that ai in customer support interactions is hey real quick this podcast is sponsored by instrumental products that's my product studio where i and my small crew we take new product ideas from concept to launched I'm a full stack product designer and developer, and I love collaborating with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies to bring that spark of energy into new product ideas. Think of instrumental products as your shortcut to shipping that next idea and getting it into the hands of your customers as efficiently as possible. Got something to ship? Let's talk. Visit instrumentalproducts.com to learn more. Not even close to being impressive there yeah like and i'm a I big I, i'm i'm super into ai i love it i use it every day in, right. in my day-to-day -day work yep but in the customer support space maybe there's stuff i haven't seen yet but as a user i don't want to interact with an ai like right. if i'm at a point where i need so where i'm so stuck that i'm actually gonna go down to that help widget it means i couldn't find it on my own i couldn't figure out the interface on my own it means I have some sort of edge case that a human is going to need to help me figure out. You right. know, um, yeah, that's the thing. It's a, it is it gets, you know, everybody throws out there the the simplest scenario, right? Like if you have a mobile app and you literally get like five types of questions, like people want a refund, people whatever. You have like your your really super simplistic questions. Like yeah, it'll probably do an okay job at servicing that. Although, is it do, actually doing a better job than if like? the widget just popped up the top five questions and one of them is refund. Like, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, it's going to be slower than that. Um, where the customer could just quickly see like, oh yeah, refund. I want that. 
um, bursting in, hey, how do I get a refund? Yeah, but even stuff like that, like I feel like that. shouldn't even be in a customer support. Like it, it should just be in the interface. If if you're if you're letting right. people like one click refund, then just give them that button. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So there are. I mean, I think there are some simple use cases where like on it's going to take away. You know, maybe it's going to what you would call in the business like deflect. Um, you're going to deflect. I could see AI some additional percentage probably helping which internally. Is great. Like it could help the, the support help team the, be more efficient, right. but it doesn't have to be That's visible. My all. more focus really yeah. too is like, could we um, like give you the, you know, some, so like most support tools have like the idea of like a canned response of some yep. fashion, they're called something different sometimes, but whatever. And so like, could it, could we get it dialed in to where it's like recommending, Hey, these three or one of these three is probably the right response for this scenario. Um, it get really easy for the agents, especially like new agents and things like that, who maybe yeah. aren't as familiar. You have 200 can responses, like looking through them all and figuring it all out. takes a long time to learn all those. It's like, well, maybe, maybe there's some AI stuff there that can narrow that down a bit, um, different things like that. And I, you know, I, I don't really think there's some interesting stuff that's going to happen with it, but yeah, I don't think it's all the way to like, yeah, be definitely. Hey, my initial thing was like, oh, like, did we just get like put out of business? Is this uh, like, <laughs> no, is not, this just going to take over? But it's like, no, it's, it's not. It's not over. like you're. Where, 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 it's not like where, you're where, doing chatting with PDFs. Like, <laughs> they're right. all getting killed. Right, now. <laughs> yeah, right. right, yeah, they're getting killed. Um, so, um, but all right, my my, I guess back to my fundamental question is, yeah, or let me ask it another way. What will be different in the product? How will what's what yeah. is different about HelpSpot version two? Right. So, um, it'll have version six, but it'll be, yes, the very, so new, yeah. newest, yeah. That, right. Yeah. Um, this alt version. Yeah. So era two, um, so there's going to be, a, so there's a lot of different things that have come together. Uh, and I definitely can't get into all of them just yet, but I will say like, there is some business elements that I think rebuilding will help us accomplish. Um, and that's, I at least want to talk about, uh, maybe like on, uh, in the year and we can go through some of the business case, <laughs> business side of it, but. Even in terms of the product itself, I think we're hit. So it's definitely still that same, like, oh yeah, I would like to use all the new hotness because obviously Laravel has even more new hotness than before. And we have Livewire and we have all these great tools. Um, but in addition to that, I do think you have things like AI, which while we just sat here saying it's not taking over totally, um, I do find it being useful. I think while we could certainly put it into the current code base, I think having it be a new code base kind of refactored from the beginning to think about yeah, like, like well, rather than bolting it on, going to have a right rather than just being bolted on. It's like, if it's more deeply either directly integrated or even spots where, okay, we're not going to do this yet, but in the future, this would be a spot where like, it would make sense to have some AI stuff going on. It's like, now that can all be constructed and ready for that, even though we're not using it yet, but it's like there and ready. Um, there'll be a lot of interesting things like that. Are there, are there I mean, any there like, are... like significant features that you're just not going to include? Like, like kill, killing off features in the process here? Um, in terms of like the big features, no, like all the big stuff will still be there. Some of it's going to be organized differently. I think it would probably be maybe a little too down in the weeds for here, but, um, so there were some different concepts for sure and different organizational structures, I think, um, for, but like big picture, like there'll be tickets and there'll be a knowledge base and, um, you know, reporting and like, so there will be the big chunky things. I think, uh, other than that will be really good. And I think is more important than ever is like deeper ability to have integrations, like the older platforms, not really set up to integrate 
with other things in a modern sassy type yeah. way. So and I, I mean, feel like that, Zapier, that must be like, like super that, important but... for a help desk. Yeah, it's definitely a key area to be able. So we have our own APIs for integrating, which people do. But again, now you see people obviously like they just want to like click a button and integrate with their CRM and not have to like write, even though it's a small amount of code to do it now. And we have a pretty cool system for doing it. It's still like code that has to be written to do this integration, you know, and obviously that's a barrier. So for the bigger tools that we have a lot of customers using or could use, um, it would be nicer to be like, yeah, like, boom, it integrates with. Yeah. Salesforce, let's say, or whatever. And how do you there. how do you define your your customers now? I mean, is it is it like a pretty wide range of industries? Yeah, we're super horizontal. Like, um, and it's a lot of things you might not even think of. So obviously, like you have IT support, uh, and end customer support. Whether you have like a software company supporting customers with a software product, or you're a manufacturer and you have you sell a product or e-commerce site and you sell products and things like that. Um, but then a lot of other use cases too, like HR departments are a big, actually growing segment um, because all this email like internal about support, questions basically. about benefits and things like that. Yeah. And so like they're supporting their internal staff with HR issues or maintenance departments is one we've, another one's been around for a long time where like people can email you and be like, Hey, the door in building C is messed up or whatever. And this way, like that's organized for them uh, across. A it's pretty incredible when you like, like it, it's like. When you already know that a that a category is is super huge, and then you find out it's like it's actually a hundred times bigger than that. <laughs> it's like yeah. anybody who deals with email, like there are all these like, other yeah, use there's cases. so many use cases. Yeah, um, which is why there's like literally thousands of help desk stations. I mean, there is legit thousands yeah. of competitors. Yeah. Um, and obviously we all know Zendesk and Intercom handful of the big ones, but you know there's just they're never ending. And then like there are, and then e even in those segments, right? Like there's all these different takes on I mean, because there are dedicated HR tools that do the email portion and they do a bunch yep. of other stuff and there are dedicated maintenance tools and they do maintenance stuff in addition to the email. So like, but you know, they're sometimes more expensive, for example, or whatever the people don't want all those other features. They just want the email management. So they instead go to something like help spot. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so it's even more complicated than that. Cause like in vertical, there are dedicated tools that overlap with what a help spot does and things like that. So, so, so I guess, given that, given all the different use cases, especially in all these different industries that you wouldn't right. even think of, do you, how, how much do you think about or, or, or focus on competitors and especially like, like, who do you even consider mm -hmm. to be competitors? Like there's the obvious ones like that. Everyone knows the intercoms and the Zen right. desks and all that, but like, do you even think of them as uh, competitors or are, they, are there all these like use cases for help spot where it's like your customers probably don't even know. Right. What <laughs> right. So that's why I don't you get know. too caught up in the competitors. Like I have a rough idea of like, I keep an eye on the very biggest ones just as like a sort of barometer. Like I don't even, I, don't, I can't say I even give it like a ton of thought, but I will poke in on like what intercom's doing, what Zendesk is doing. Um, Beyond like those two, really, uh, I don't really pay a lot of attention to anybody else. Um, and even those, it's not so much because we're always competing against a lot of different companies. Like, and it's a, it's the kind of product where pretty often there is a scenario where it's like, Hey, we have, you know, we're looking at seven different products and we have a committee that's evaluating and like, it's a whole thing. Right. And so we're doing demos and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it's like. There's just so many tools. It's like, so we will sometimes get into one when it's like a customer is asking us like, Hey, 
does it do this thing another tool does or whatever and then we'll go figure that out but uh but yeah i don't i don't really spend a lot of time with it i mean that's the thing for me with competitors like yeah i could do a google search and find right. a bunch of competitors but i i don't do that i don't care about that what i care about is what the customers are telling or primarily are asking what me about focus is. yeah how are you different from this or i'm switching from from that and and like that that's who raises to the to the top of the list of the competitors that I kind yeah, of care about. That's pretty much my take on it too. And, you know, I think it's also, you have to, it's, you know, you have to factor in like your place in the market, um, your business model with it. I mean, we're definitely, you know, a lower cost provider. We're not the cheapest provider, but we are also not Zendesk. Um, so Zendesk is, you know, going to be $50 an agent at the pretty low end, up to hundreds of dollars an agent a month. Uh, Salesforce has a help desk module that the top tier is $650 a user a month. So, you know, these are all these different market segments. Um, and so, yeah, you got to niche yourself in both with the feature set and the pricing model. We have some customers who are very price sensitive. We have other customers who are less price sensitive. Um, and you have big customers that are customers who use us because they can get 250 users for $29,000 a year. And they're like, that's great because we don't want to spend $290,000 a year for the task that this is yeah. because it's probably not in those cases with HelpSpot anyway, it's not usually like a room full of literally 250 agents. It's more like there's maybe like 50 core agents and there's 200 sort of other people, whether they're managers or whatever, who are like not in there all the time and they don't necessarily want to pay $200 a yeah. user a month for a person who goes in there for an hour a month or whatever. So there's those kind of trade-offs um, that people are making. Hmm. I guess as we uh, as we start to wrap up this yeah. this episode about the rebuilding, I I mean, what can you t <clears throat> what can you tell us about the 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 project and the process of actually rebuilding mm -hmm. it, and then and then sort of the plan for rolling it out? So like the first the first question that I would have about the process is like how how long? It, all right, so I mean. Once you get past the strategic decision-making mm -hmm. and say, and saying like, all right, we're going to break ground on this and start coding or designing or whatever, like from that point to having some version ready to bring out to the world, like, is that a year? Like, is that more? Like, what are we looking well, at? Well, you know, so it's sort of interesting. I've, I don't like to work with deadlines uh, <laughs> because I worked for myself for a yeah. long time here. Right. And the product's doing fine. So there's not like this big push of like, boy, we, we need this new version because like things are heading the wrong direction and like, let's really crunch on it. Um, so I, I mean, my, like I, a I guess year, like, a part like that would B, be kind of my ballpark uh, estimate, but. Yeah, and like a part B on that is like, all right, you're rebuilt, you're, you're building a mm -hmm. whole new version. So that takes a ton right. of resources. What's going on on the existing product right. during that time, right? Like what's the cost in terms of- So it's uh, sort of interesting. This is a change I made actually um, from previous times we've tried this and I was had I had developers kind of doing the work on it and then I was managing and uh, I've gone a different route this time um, where I'm doing the sort of verb one of the new build um, and it won't be all me forever for it won't be all me all the way to the end of where it's releasable but it is going to be all me for right now because i feel like i'm just this is just a totally me thing but i'm not good at sort of thinking through the problem space um and then just like writing that, uh because then i'm almost never happy with what comes out the other side and i just feel like 
I need to be the one in there in the code trying out, do I like this interface for this idea? Getting the big structural things of how it should be in my head out. And then like once that structure is there, then it's like, yes, like we can get in there and have other devs like working on the, obviously the million little features that come out of the, you know, the big structure of it, but I'm the same I, I need way to be with that there. stuff. And, and, and I, I've no, that's another thing that I've noticed on your Twitter feed over the last several months is like, man, Ian is getting really right, technical. I'm lately. back in the code. I'm deep in the code. You're, you're, you're yeah. definitely getting back in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, I, I'm the same way with, with with stuff it's like i i design and build most of the product myself but then like for the initial version of stuff but then it gets to a point where we need to ship so so much that i do delegate that i do spend a ton of time writing right. out detailed mm-hmm. i mean super detailed like right. specs for for my developer to build a new thing and it and a lot of times it gets to a point it's like man i'm spending a whole week or more just writing these right. specs for my <laughs> developer it's like I literally, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm writing them in a checklist. That's like literally like programming right. logic. And I'm like, why am I not just in the code base yeah. right now? You know, but, yeah. but there, there's, there's still the thing where it's like, all right, I, it seems simple on paper, but I know that once I get into it, one week is going to turn into right. four weeks. And also know? there is the, like, you yeah. know, it depends on your setup. Like, I mean, how experienced your developers are, how long they've been with you and know the product and all those things like. Obviously, you can get shorthand for things a lot easier with somebody. You know, like so. Back to your kind of original question, like mainline help spot is still chugging along. Like I still do a little bit in there, but primarily um, there's another developer who does that, and the bugs it's are like very yeah, bugs are being fixed. Yeah. New features are being added, so stuff's still happening there. Um, and we're again, it's a 20 year old product, so it's not like people are like, oh man, it's been a week. Why isn't there new features and new stuff? Like, so if we're like every month yep. shipping a solid release or every two months with like good bug fixes, a couple nice little features, like, you know, nobody's coming to us being like, what the hell is going on? Where's the new stuff? Like everybody's happy. Customers are happy. We're happy. So we can kind of keep that pace going. It's fine. Um, and you know, that's the developers worked here like nine years. Right. So like he knows deeply helps when when it's time for him to work on six or, you know, what I call six, the new version, like, you know, he understands the philosophy of what we're trying to do right and how we operate mm-hmm. so i don't there's a lot that's baked in um so that helps a lot what's the plan with uh with customers mm-hmm. so so when it when it comes time to release it i'm, I'm guessing that'll be like sometime in 2024 right. yeah i would say 2024 probably uh maybe earlier but so so like it are is it going to be like hey everyone we're, you're all moving over no. or is it like you can use help spot classic we're going uh, get on the new uh, thing. So I'm not the world's biggest DHH fan. We don't have time to cover that. We don't <laughs> oh, have time to cover that here. But um, really, but I will say yeah. one of the things I do like that they did, you, you could stay on the old version of Basecamp if you want to. And that's definitely the philosophy we're going to have um, for multiple reasons. But, you know, basically, we, yeah, I don't want to move everybody. There will be these differences of how it works. There will be difference in the structure. Yep. Um, you know, we're a very small team. Just even constrain. We have customers with dozens to some of them hundreds of gigabytes of data uh you know the construction of the way to hurt that to the new system i mean that's a huge application on its own so i don't necessarily want to wait for that huge application to be built until we release this so it's like hey my current thinking is there'll be like a light version of that which is like you want to be on the new hotness um there is going to be a way to maybe move your user move your general structure but like maybe not all your data 
or maybe not other things, you know, some, some, or maybe that's like the basics of the data, but not like all the far reaching tentacles of the data, you know, something where it's like, mm -hmm. we can build a simpler V1 of it for people who want to be bleeding edge and move over, like, and they're willing to take that trade off. Um, but everybody else, they can. And start. I guess it also really helps. It also really helps that HelpSpot has always had this on-premise version. So like, theoretically, like it's, it's like the, even if, even if you have all these, you know, legacy customers who were on your quote unquote hosted version, that's like, they're basically using the on-premise version, but you, you've installed right. it. We can like, run that. So you, you, you've, you've always had that, like that, that ability to just offer it on-premise. Right. So it's like, you'll, you'll continue to have customers who just use the old. Yeah. I mean, we have customers some, who will use on-premise, uh, forever. Right. Yeah. And then there's even though, but we'll host the customers who are on HelpSpot five, which is like the current version. Um, so there's definitely not going to be the like, all right, six is here. You're all just getting shoved over there. Um, it will be a multi-year project to convert the people on HelpSpot five to HelpSpot six. Some of them may never go and that's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that will still exist and be supported. And then, you know, it obviously isn't going to get like a lot of new features at that point. Like once six is out, you know, that will ramp down in terms of feature development, but it would still get bug fixes. It would definitely get any security fixes. Um, and then six would be obviously the new, new features and new hotness type stuff. But, uh, that's kind of the current plan. Good anyway. stuff. I'm excited. I've, I've been a fan of, of watching you get, get more technical. Yeah. Lately. It's been nice so to get been, back into it. I mean, that's watch, what got me started you know, with get, it too. Really it's getting like, into the uh, product, you know, yeah. to get back into it. It's like, it gets 20 years. Like I need to keep it fun for me too. Like, it's like, obviously making money is fun. I like making money. That's a, that's a certain kind of fun, but I do like coding and I do like getting in there and designing a, a, a feature and coming up with a new idea for something that's going to help the customers, um, you know, be better at their support and helping their customers. So it is really nice to kind of just be in there and then just take all I've learned. I mean, I've learned so much in this 20 years about how to scale things and how to, where the pain points are and the support process and all that stuff. So it is useful and fun to be able to put that into action. Um, yeah, in, for sure. In the interface and everything. Well, Ian, I'm I'm excited to see this this rollout and getting it all together. It seems like a beast of a, of a project be. and a and a thing for It'll the whole business. So, so that's that's the rebuild. We're gonna we're gonna keep watching. I think in our next episode, we'll we'll talk about Laravel and all things Laravel ecosystem. Yeah. That does it for today's episode of the Full Stack Founder Podcast. As always, the show notes include links to the YouTube channel for this podcast, where you can catch these full interviews on video, and my YouTube channel. That's where I'm building products in public. See you next week.